Welcome to the Cowboy Chronicles post-game edition presented by Zaxby's. Taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com. I am your host of the Cowboy Chronicles, Scott Wright of the Oklahoman, joined by Jacob Unruh and Barry Trammell. We watched quite the ball game on Saturday. Oklahoma State pulls off the 34-27 upset of number 23 Iowa State just at the time that it felt like uh, the castle was crumbling around Mike Gundy they uh, come up to, to Ames and uh, and pull off the upset it's uh, kind of back on the roller coaster that uh, that we watched last year we'll see if they can level things out after this but um, Jacob this was sort of uh, it sort of proved one of Mike Gundy's points from from uh, his uh, his latest s- string of thoughts that if they don't turn the ball over a bunch in critical situations and they don't give up big plays, they can uh, they can compete. Yeah, I, it was the formula that uh, Mike Gundy has been wanting for a while, and he kept going to it in post game again, saying, "Listen, we didn't turn the ball over in bad situations. Uh, you had the one interception uh, from Spencer. Uh, they didn't they didn't give up." big plays they had the big plays this time and and that was the biggest difference it seemed like some of those big plays have kind of gone away on osu side and and gone to their team and um i think the defense was outstanding uh they delivered the win obviously uh in the fourth quarter in the final seven minutes or so with with three interceptions including malcolm rodriguez's pick six um it it was uh a banner day for uh Gundy the Nostradamus, uh, as as we should call him from Monday. (laughs) I'll pass, but that's a great idea. Um, Barry, it had to, uh, for Iowa State, had to feel sort of like Oklahoma State felt a week ago. Nine minutes left, tight ball game, got the ball, and it all falls apart. Yeah, it it was a total reversal from the Baylor game. What it was, you know... What Gundy says is true. It's also trite. Because, yeah, if you limit big plays and don't turn the ball over, you know, you're going to win most every game. Yeah. But what what the Cowboys went back to, two things. One is they became the big play offense, and that's what they were early in the year, remember. That's – they're not really a grinded-out team. No. This is a big play offense team. What do you have the stats, Scotty? The Cowboys lead the nation and – Plays over fifty. Four, plays 50 over fifty. Yeah. So we saw three of those. You know, Cowboys have a. <coughs> excuse me. They got a twenty-one thirteen halftime lead and have not snapped the ball in in Iowa State territory. Yeah. Because of the screens to Wallace and Braden Johnson, and then the long run by Chuba Hubbard. So they went back to their offensive formula, getting the big plays. Um, and then on defense, what happened was the the Cowboys made Brock Purdy. Sort of the the villain, sort of the um, the uh, the guy who writes is is the uh, is the fall guy as opposed to Spencer Sanders. Mm-hmm. Brock Purdy seven goes out, takes a snap with seven minutes left in the game. Ball game's tied, and he had thrown four interceptions all season to that point. Everybody at the stadium thought Iowa State was going to win, including I think most of the press box. But from that point on, Brock Purdy throws three interceptions. And, you know, the OSU offense 
Didn't do anything in that fourth quarter. No. And yet, Cowboys win 34-27. I don't even know. Did OSU make a first down in the fourth quarter? I'm not even sure they did. Uh, I think they had one maybe on the, uh, the, the drive that ended with the 40-yard field goal. Was that early in the fourth quarter? Yeah. That, okay. Well, uh, no, no. I, I take that back. The field goal was the first play of the fourth quarter. Okay. They, they might not have had so one. I'm not the sure they quarter. even had a first down. So think about that. You don't make a first down in the fourth quarter and you win a tight game. So that's because of that defense, the three picks. Malcolm Rodriguez with the big one. But then uh, Amen Corner with the big. Uh, I thought that one was just as big because. Iowa State, you know, has the ball at midfield, and that's only second down. That's not third and four, which was Malcolm's down. It was it was only second down, and I think it was second and two. And you thought, uh oh, this is going to get dicey. But you know, and then and then the, and then the game ended by Trace Sterling. So big, big, big performance by the OSU defense coming up with those coming up with those picks. It was, and that's something that they've struggled with this year is is getting takeaways and. Uh, to pile them up so quickly at uh, at such an important time was uh, was a really big deal, and and you know maybe gives them uh, some momentum going forward because overall they really played a, a pretty solid game in general, and and to get some uh, get some takeaways there at the end was was really important. Um, as Barry mentioned, the offense not a single play past the fifty yard line in the first half. Yet they had, at one point, a twenty-one to ten lead in the first in the first half. It was uh, it was pretty wild. And Iowa State ran fifty-five plays before halftime. That was uh, that was uh, a pretty crazy first half that we watched. Really, when you uh, when you look at some of the numbers, Jacob, the uh, the wide receiver screen returned with a with a vengeance on Saturday. Uh, yes, yes, it did. Uh, Tyon Wallace returned with a vengeance. Oh, yeah. He, he had been kind of quiet the last few weeks mm-hmm. and everything. He's had his acrobatic catches and stuff. Um, but a stiff arm that most people dream of when they play football yeah. was delivered from him on that. Um, but I think the, the Cowboys you know, saw something early uh, with, with the way the defensive backs from Iowa State were playing. Um, they were given some space. They were also trying to cheat over to, to help if Chuba ran the ball. And... They took advantage of it. Uh, you've got guys like that that could do it. I mean, they proved it earlier in the season with some of these big plays like that and screens. I mean, I, I, McNeese State really stands out to me still with some of those. But they've done it against other teams, and and Wallace had the one. Braden Johnson had the other one. Um, you know, and, and that really – I think the other thing, too, is I think it took some pressure off Spencer. Yeah. Uh, you know, who's, his turnover issues are there. They are what they are, and you get him sh- throwing – routes like that where it's a little easier pass a little easier read quick loosen up the defense a little bit kind of sets him up for a better day absolutely and um, Sean Gleason talked about how his strength in throwing the ball uh, and being accurate on those throws is is really valuable because it gives those guys extra time even if it's just a split second to turn and find out what's in front of them and be able to make a move and get into space. And we definitely saw that uh, with Tylen, who had defenders closing in on him and, uh, mm-hmm. and, and basically put them on their, uh, on their back. And Braden Johnson 
was uh, had a second to adjust and find the two blockers in front of him and split those guys and go and go 50 for a score. Now, what do you, let me ask you, what do you guys make of Braden Johnson all of a sudden being out there on the on the end at the expense of Jordan McRae? Is that was that a was that a screen situation uh, because he can he can break it more or is there more going on? I think maybe a little bit of both. I definitely think because of the screen game, he's really strong in that area for two reasons. One, he's he's a strong runner like like Tylen Wallace is. And two, he's ridiculously fast. Uh, Chuba Hubbard told me he's fast. And if Chuba says he's fast, I believe it. <laughs> yeah, you got to believe Chuba, right? Yeah. So uh, I think that um, probably primarily... It's because of of the uh, the screen game aspect. I think he's probably a pretty good blocker in those situations too. When uh, if needed, I believe he was one of the blockers on uh, on Thailand's screen. So I think his physicality uh, more lends itself to the screen game than uh, than Jordan McRae. But we still saw him out there a lot of in a lot of situations that they weren't throwing screens. Uh, I think that he's a guy who has improved and brought increasing value uh from his uh from his role he's very versatile you know they've uh, they've played him in the slot some they've played him outside they can do a lot of different things with him and they love uh they love his his uh, physicality and his speed uh, another guy that uh, that we didn't see a lot of uh relatively speaking was chuba hubbard only 22 carries i uh i i wildly predicted 40 touches in the game and he wild barely got halfway there still went over 100 yards still remains the leading rusher in college football uh, ld brown didn't even have to uh didn't even have to have to handle the ball as a as a running back yeah mike gundy's against me i write about ld brown this week and how his emergence last week helps chuba um, and Gundy says, hold on, let me show you this. And I'm not even going to give him the ball. <laughs> uh, Chuba had a day. I mean, Chuba had an easy day yesterday. Yeah. By his standards. 22 carries. I mean, that's, that's a, you know, that's been a half almost sometimes uh, of work for him. He, he kind of had a light load yesterday. He, he, you know, uh, he might take it easy today. I don't know. But, uh, you know, that was, it was actually really good to see if you're an OSU fan to see Chuba have a day like that to where He's not getting beat up all the time. Uh, he, he's not being overworked by by Gundy's standards, and he still delivers a big blow. Um, still moves the ball a little bit at times, uh, and, and had a nice day. With that said, it's still one of the factors in Chuba having twenty four touches, right? He yes. Cowboys didn't snap the ball that much. I mean, right. 57 plays or 55? 55, I believe. 55 plays, so he's on 24-55. You know, if they have 75 plays, he's up in the he's up in the 30s. The mid 30s, right. And you know, you're not you're not sounding crazy when you're predicting 40. <laughs> so it was a strange game in terms of tempo. Cyclones had all those plays. It's another it's another nod to the OSU defense. Cyclones dominated. You know, they, they ran the ball up and down the field or moved the ball up and down the field. They had 30 first downs. Mm-hmm. And yet the Cowboys stiffened and didn't let them score a ton. You think of a team with 30 first downs and what was it, 85 plays? Is that what the 80, 80, 88, 88 plays? 88 plays and 30 first downs. 
and a bunch of passing yards, and you think, oh, they scored a ton. Well, they scored 27 offensive points. So, um, Cowboys, the you know, bend, bent but didn't break. That's a classic example of it. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back talk a little bit more about the defense, talk about the Big 12 landscape at this point, and some other things right here on the Cowboy Chronicles presented by Zaxby's. We are back on the Cowboy Chronicles, presented by Zaxby's. I'm your host, Scott Wright, joined by Jacob Unruh and Barry Trammell. Guys, the uh, the defense um, got some help, got Tyler Lacey back. That was, I think, important for the defensive line. We saw Trace Ford get his first start. I thought that he was a guy that uh, that, that played really well from uh, from the very first play. He was in the backfield. He didn't get the sack, but he uh, he created the sack. Uh, even though that ended up being the only time that they actually got to him, I thought that the pressure they were able to get for the most part, I mean, the guy the guy threw 62 passes. You're not going to get pressure on him 62 times. Uh, so he had some times when he was stand, standing back there and, and had a lot of time to throw. But for the most part, I thought the pressure was really good and critical. Yeah, I, I think the last two weeks the quarterback pressure has been pretty good. Um you know, and they they had had four sacks, I guess, uh, the week before, right? In that first half, and then only yeah. had uh, what two sacks yesterday? Uh, maybe one and a half, one or, one or, one or two, um, and two. And you know, they set the tone earlier. Trace on his first play as a starter comes through and and sets up the sack for for uh, Israel Antwine there. Uh, a little Oklahoma love for the high school fans out there, and um, it was it was good to see. Uh, that pass rush continued to, to grow. Um, you know, you're right. Tyler Lacey had a big impact. Um, you almost forget about him since he hadn't played since Texas. You kind of got used to, used to maybe used to him gone a little bit, and it was good to see him back and, and doing what he did. And and I think that ended up setting up a big day for the secondary. You know, Colby Harvell Peel had six pass breakups, and and Purdy was under pressure and had to make quick decisions. A lot of those. Well, I thought it was a good game plan by Jim Knowles. Um, he's come under some fire, but I thought he had a very solid game. He, you know, I, I, they put in a lot of blitzes this week. And what he, he I was I was intrigued by the way he termed it. Because sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes when a team blitzes a lot, you think, well, they have to, to get to the quarterback. And the way Knowles termed it, he said, we thought we could get to the to the quarterback and which means it wasn't necessarily you know a uh, a desperation situation they just thought that would be a a good way to attack Brock Purdy through the blitz and two things out of that when you blitz you open yourself up to the big play and they didn't give up the big play Purdy completed a lot of passes bunch of those were the tight end shout out to Charlie Kolar another Okie um, but Cowboys did not give up the big play. I think the longest pass play was 27 yards. I think there were three pass plays in the 20s. When they snapped it, when they have 60, I think it was 65 pass plays. 62 throws, two sacks, and one scramble for Iowa State. 65 pass plays, you'll take giving up three plays in the 20s. That's pretty good defense. So I thought that was key. The other thing is this, the, uh, the uh, blitzes that he put in, 
Jim Knowles was able to uh, do some disguising with him and some fake blitzes worked out magnificently, and that's what happened on Malcolm Rodriguez's game-winning interception. Uh, the Cowboys showed uh, an all-out blitz. Three or four guys up there on the line looking like they might be coming. And, uh, you know, Malcolm said it was actually a zero blitz look, which means there's no free safety. Everybody's just sort of on their own. That's what you do. That's when you throw a slant because, you know, if the guy misses, uh, you know, one tackle, it's, it's to the house. But Malcolm Rodriguez fakes that blitz, drops back into coverage, throw the slant right to him, touchdown OSU. Yeah, and the other, I think, important stat out of that that you just mentioned there, Barry, one scramble. That was something when they blitzed Charlie Brewer at Baylor, he was able to slip some of those blitzes, and it opened up big field, big running areas. Let me ask you guys a question. I was surprised at how little Purdy ran. I even, was even when he had some opportunity, I haven't seen the guy play a lot. Um, I did not cover the Iowa State game OSU last year when he had his coming out party, but I've seen him quite a bit on television. I thought he was more – I mean, he wasn't – he's not – Sanders or Jalen Hurts or somebody that runs around like crazy, but I thought he was more apt to run, and he he looked like he wanted no part of scrambling yesterday. He was always looking to keep throwing. Yeah, that was a that was a big surprise. I really kind of thought he was more of a dual threat guy that come in here and you look at his numbers. He had run the ball really well and and didn't. And then I think it was he took Brees Hall out of that game really fast too. I yeah. mean he he had a he had a decent day, um, but. For what he'd done the past two games going into this, I expected more from him too. I mean, the run defense—I mean, when you look, all—all all things considered, turned out really well. You look at what Brock Purdy has done, not just over the course of of his entire career, is his debut against Oklahoma State last year. He rushed for uh, for eighty-five yards, and it was uh, that was a big a big weapon for them that day because. Oklahoma State has spent all week preparing for Zeb Noland, who you didn't worry about running more than two feet. And Purdy comes in, and all of a sudden he's taken off, and that's a that's a difficult adjustment to make in-game, uh, to go from the defense you've been preparing all week to trying to, to figure out what uh, you know what you're going to do to stop a running quarterback. So that was uh, that was that was a, a big weapon last year and I was surprised to not see it be a a, a bigger weapon in this game so um, Jacob you, you briefly mentioned Colby Harvell Peel uh, you, you don't uh, you don't think of, uh, of pass breakups and uh, and record-setting performances but uh, but he had one and that was uh, that was pretty impressive he was around the ball a lot now of course if he had gotten his hands on a couple of those uh, he, he, which he probably would have preferred. He wouldn't have set the record, but he would also maybe had an interception or two. Yeah, he he told me that uh, the funny thing was is he was walking in the post game. Uh, Kevin Clintworth informed him that he had a record, and it was just me standing there with him. And it's like, yeah, and I immediately asked him. He had no idea he had set a record. First of all, um, then he realized. I didn't want this record necessarily. He said, I, "I wish I had a couple of those back. I, I should have, I should have intercepted a few of those." Um, he was pretty open about that, but I, I think it was all a part of Jim Knowles' scheme. You leave a guy back there. Colby, Colby has been 
pretty solid all around this year, um, and he was just in the right place every time. It, it was it, it was it seemed like uh, he he's able to get physical a couple times and got away with some stuff. Um, it was the the officials did a good job of letting some of that stuff go yesterday. I thought, and um, but he he's uh, he's really come along as a really good safety for Oklahoma State and. He said that wasn't necessarily something they saw early because I asked, "Is there something in the scheme that you saw that you picked up on in the secondary?" And he said, "No, it was just it, it was just uh, kind of being in the right place and 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 my assignments, and it just happened to work out." All right, we want to uh, kind of look at the uh, the landscape of the Big Twelve. You know, coming into this game, if you had said Oklahoma State's going to, after what they've been through the last two weeks, going to come through and win this game you might think that's going to be the shocker of the day in the Big 12 it was not let's talk about that after this break on the Cowboy Chronicles presented by Zaxby's are back on the Cowboy Chronicles presented by Zaxby's. I'm your host Scott Wright joined by Jacob Unruh and Barry Trammell. Last look at the Oklahoma State upset of Iowa State 34 to 27 at Jack Trice Stadium. Uh, one thing before we get into this Matt Amendola deserves a little bit of credit. He came into some uh, some tough situations Hadn't, uh, hadn't missed a field goal all year. Hits a 49-yarder and a 40-yarder. 40-yarder into the wind off of grass, which is uh, a rarity these days to, uh, to have to kick off of grass. Handled himself, uh, handled himself really well. Doesn't that make him a Lou Groza candidate if you don't miss a kick? It's, it certainly would I'm, seem that way. I mean, I mean, you know, you want your winner to hit a sum in their 50s, and you want a game winner or two, but for crying out loud, guy that makes all his kicks, that's all you can ask of him. Yeah, absolutely. He's got to be, you know, some uh, uh, some of the race uh, to borrow Mike Gundy's horse racing analogy. You can't uh, you can't call off the horse race right now, but uh, there's some uh, there's some track left ahead. But if he keeps this up, it's uh, he's certainly got to be in the running. You would think so. Uh, that was uh, that was impressive, and uh, he has been a <laughs> a streaky kicker. I uh, apologize. I got distracted looking at my phone during uh, uh, during the uh, during the show here. Um, he has been a streaky kicker, uh, the good and bad. When he's making them, he's making a lot. He's got uh, two streaks now uh, in his career of fifteen or more in a row, and he's got a couple of areas where he uh, you know he had a stretch where he missed five of seven at one point last year he had uh stretch during his sophomore year where he uh where he missed uh, quite a few short ones including those two at texas tech uh inside of 25 yards so uh, you know it's uh this, this is kind of his trend but he seems to have really leveled out his his consistency and that could be important for oklahoma state with the uh with the three opponents that they've got coming up now that said uh, as I said, the Oklahoma State upset of Iowa State could have very well been the most surprising thing that happened in the Big 12 on Saturday. 
My question is, was it the least surprising thing that happened in the Big 12 on Saturday? Probably not, but it you can make that case. The Big 12 entered Saturday with four teams clearly above the pack. None of them won on Saturday. One of them, that Baylor, didn't play. But the other three lost, OU at K-State. Texas at TCU and Iowa State at home to OSU. The fact that the fact that the Cyclones were at home that makes it a little different. You know, one thing we haven't even talked about it. OSU has not been playing well on the road the last year or two. Yeah, yeah, they're not playing well on the road at all. And last night or yesterday they played very well. But um, those other two were were uh, were road defeats for the Sooners and the Longhorns. But um, and then you get the crazy game in Lawrence last night where they finish for the ages, Texas Tech, Kansas. So, you know, I'll say this. OSU, Iowa State was the most sane. Let's put it that way. It's the most sane. It's the most explainable. Yeah. It's the most explainable result. I mean, because you knew the Cowboys were capable. You knew they had some home run hitters. You know, they've they've sort of underachieved for the last year and a half. I think we can all agree. But when you look at TCU, had shown nothing to think they could score 37, even against a depleted Texas defense. OU was out of the blue. And, you know, Kansas. Well, uh, let's put it, it. The field was flooded twice by fans in Big 12 football <laughs> yesterday out of four games. Yes. And I assume they didn't. I didn't charge the field at Fort Worth, but they might have. They might have. They might have. It, it could have happened. The entire state of Kansas flooded the field. Yes. <laughs> that's a, that's a, you know, uh, I I go back to, I mean, OU is the stunner to me, I think, obviously. I think that's the easy one to pick. Um, and I know that this isn't a top game, but that Kansas finish last night, holy crap. That was insane. I mean, we're sitting there working, and we, we, we break away at the very end there to watch the end of that game. And to watch that Texas Tech player – Fumble the ball back. To Not set up fumble the game. it. Well, throw it he, back. He, he threw it back. He just gave it back. back. Right? He just like he said, "Here, have the ball back. I don't want it." And uh, I mean, just that was that was incredible. I don't think I've ever seen a finish like that. Perfect example of the highlight reel problem that afflicts all of football today. Yeah. Um, you see it with guys diving at the pylon, not protecting the football. You see it with guys not even at the end of games sometimes flipping the ball around like that. Yeah. And, you know, it starts in the NFL and it goes down. The other one that I think fits that category is guys celebrating before they get to the end zone right. and letting yep. go of the well, ball exactly before they right. cross the yeah. goal line. Make the, make the highlight look cool. Um you got to know, you know, you got to know the time space continuum. You got to know when's the If you're down one, guess what? You flip the ball. Yeah. If if it's a tie game, you don't flip the ball. No. The ball is everything. So um yeah, just a uh, that was a Leon Lett type of uh mistake. It's exactly what I was thinking. For the poor guy. So um but it sets up an interesting an interesting race because now the race to Arlington is sort of screwy in some ways. We know now more than ever who's going to play in Arlington, mm-hmm. our OU and Baylor. 
unless somebody really gets going. And here's a cowboy scenario for you. Two things have to happen for OSU to reach Arlington. Only two. Now, one of the two is actually multifaceted, which is Cowboys win out Mm -hmm. and Baylor beats OU. Yeah. Or, I guess, TCU or Kansas could beat them. I don't think either one of those things. But Baylor could beat OU. Baylor beats OU and OSU wins out. OSU is in Arlington. So, Mike Gundy, there's your... There's your plan. Just <laughs> follow the blueprint. You'll be in good shape. There you go. Um, that said, there are a lot of different directions. Uh, you know, all this craziness maybe brings, uh, at least brings the Alamo Bowl back into consideration a week after uh, I uh, I even, I, I took it out of the six-shooter, the pregame blog. Uh, didn't even want to mention it uh, this time around. Bowl. Oh, yeah. I'm, uh, I, was, uh, I was fixated on, uh, on the Cheez-It Bowl. You just like Cheez-Its. Uh, I do like Cheez-Its. But this brings the Alamo Bowl back into play for Oklahoma State now with the uh, with the future that they've got ahead of them. And, uh, you know, of course, they've got to go. We, you mentioned they lost six straight on the road uh, in Big 12 play and, uh, and snapped that streak. Another streak, uh, or at least trend, that has worked against them lately is playing as a favorite at home and they're most likely going to be the favorite the next two weeks at home against or the next two games over three weeks with a open week in the middle tcu and kansas coming to stillwater the next two games Uh, you expect that they'll be the favorites in those games but they have not done well as the favorite at home they've uh, been better as an underdog at home in uh, in the last two plus seasons than they have as the favorite, so that's a a trend that they've got to uh, got to get reversed as well. Uh, quick look ahead to TCU, which is a two thirty p.m. start on Saturday on ESPN. Um, TCU obviously coming off a huge win uh, for uh, for their program and their uh, their situation. I uh, I have no idea what to make. Of uh, of the frogs of Fort Worth, um, I actually do. I think we're going to chalk up that thirty-seven points they scored on the horns yesterday to the Texas defense. I'm not a believer in Max Dugan, the freshman quarterback. He might end up being pretty good. I don't know, but I don't think he is now. Um, I think TCU's defense is pretty good. You know, four interceptions yesterday of. Sam Ellinger. So they get after you pretty good. That said, they they came to Ames and lost 49-24 mm-hmm. to Iowa State. So OSU's the better team. I think they've proven that. TCU had a nice win early in the year at Purdue. Well, turns out Purdue stinks. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to give, you know, this is a game the Cowboys should win. If, it's, if the Cowboys lose, it's a massive step back, back on that roller coaster you've been talking about, Scotty. Yeah. But if they win, all of a sudden they're six in three, and this season looks completely different than the you know when it it looked like OSU was uh, sort of uh, spiraling towards four and four. It's an interesting week in that they've got to uh, they've got to they've got to maintain focus coming off a big win. They've got to go back home. 
try to keep this momentum going. And that's something that's uh, that's not been the easiest of things for this uh, for this team. Jacob, is there an, an area you see in this uh, in this week that they've got to uh, got to sort of tighten things down and uh, and and come out in a more prepared situation a week from now? I, I don't know, more prepared, that's, I, but I think the offense has to be better overall. I, I think. Yeah. Yeah, you got the home runs yesterday, but there's still a lot of stuff they didn't do well. They didn't move the ball well. Um, obviously, if you're not getting inside the red zone at all in your OSU, that's a problem. And I think they need to come out and get that face against TCU, obviously. Now, they're, they're probably going to hit some home runs on TCU, um, but you still got to hit some doubles and triples a little bit and, and, and make some things happen, move some runners, you know, as if you want to keep the baseball analogy going here. Uh, you know. Thank you, Mike Gundy. <laughs> he's rubbing off on me isn't he? I'm he starting is. to come with analogies heavily but I think I think that's where you've got to focus a little bit I I don't know that they're going to be able to grind it out against TCU I think they're going to have to hit home runs again so I don't know that they can you know I don't I don't I don't think they can win this game 38-35 I think they're going to have to you know hold TCU down to some degree and try to win a game 31-21 Something like that, because TCU is not in the habit, never has been, of letting you get off and uh, and go crazy on that defense. Gary Patterson takes pride in the exact. It's a very it's a very strong parallel. The same culture of outstanding offense that when when people think of Oklahoma State football, they think of the uniforms, they think of Gundy's mullet, and they think of big time offense. Well, when they think of, when nationally, when people think of TCU. They think of sort of the frumpy appearance of Gary Patterson, and they think of that snake pit defense. So the Frogs take pride in that defense. I don't think OSU's suddenly going to be able to grind it out against the against the Frogs. Are you saying they don't think about uniforms with TCU? Uh, those were the awfulest things of all time, guys. <laughs> those, it was a purple helmet, black shirt, and red, dark red numbers. It was hideous, and one of the worst uniform looks. Even the uniforms I don't like, I can see, like like Baylor's and Oregon's neon stuff. There's stuff you can see that you don't like, but you know why it appeals to somebody. I have no idea how that could appeal to anybody, what they wore yesterday. It was bizarre, and it will live on in, in infamy because they beat the Longhorns. So Didn't, didn't Gary Patterson say he loved them? this week or something and i saw he that. did but he is tasked with uh recruiting that's true 17 and 18 year olds that's true so but what's 17 18 year old think that's a, think that's a cool uniform they, they might probably all of them that's terrible that's terrible now, listen, terrible listen my my son's 10 i'm still fascinated by things that he's he's drawn to uh by the time he's 17 i have no idea what he's going to like and i probably are am not going to uh like any of it so. there are three tcu commits in oklahoma right now i think i need to reach out to them and just give them say all a call. hey what did you think of those uniforms give them all a call find out um that is an interesting facet to this that tcu has been recruiting oklahoma pretty yeah. pretty significantly here lately so that will be uh, that will be an interesting underlying piece of uh, of the coming week R- real quick i mean they've got Sepulpa quarterback Eli Williams committed. Um, they've got McGinnis running back Dominic Richardson, who I think is arguably the top running back in the state, committed. Um, and then they've got um, 
why am I going blank down there? The, the Plainview receiver. Uh, man, I, I apologize if he listens to this. Uh, Blake Knoll is his name. Sorry. I was uh, going to say, we're big in Plainview. Yeah, yeah. Eli Russ. Blake Knoll and Plainview down there committed as well at receiver. So they're going out there and, and structure their offense around some Oklahoma kids for the future. They are. It's, uh, it's very interesting. We'll get into that and much more throughout the the coming week. As always, we'll have our two, our, we'll have our midweek podcast, our end of the week podcast. End of the week, you can jump in to the mailbag. We had a ton, not only a ton, not uh, we had quality and quantity from the mailbag last week. We uh, the bar has been set. We have high expectations for you, the listener, to come through on Twitter at Scott Wright OK and at Jacob Unruh. Email if you want. We love those as well. S. Wright at Oklahoman.com. J. Unruh at Oklahoman.com. Fire those questions at us so that we can uh, we can fill up the mailbag segment or make it a d- double segment. If you go really crazy, we'll do an entire mailbag episode on Friday. I, I, oh, let's go I, crazy, folks. I got, I got no problem with that. So uh, keep the questions coming. We appreciate all of those. We appreciate all of the listeners. So with that, we will wrap up this episode. Uh, I tried to say episode and edition at the same. Epidition. This epidition. This episode of the Cowboy Chronicles presented by Zaxby's taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com.